Hello, this is Examiner Radio, the weekly radio show and podcast that covers news, politics, and all things Halifax. I'm Tim Bousquet, editor of the Halifax Examiner, which is online at halifaxexaminer.ca. Also in the studio is Examiner Radio producer Russell Gregg. Hey, Russell. Hey, Tim. How are you? Good. Yeah. Good week? Yeah, short week, long uh, holiday weekend. Uh, not much going on this week. You're working hard on a lot of projects, I think? Well, just this dead and wrong thing, mostly. Uh, and that's what I'm doing for the rest of the day t- today. So, um, no one email me, okay? Okay. Okay, this is episode 63 of Examiner Radio. As always, you can listen to the show at CKDU 88.1 FM in Halifax on Fridays at 4.30 p.m. or online anywhere in the world at www.ckdu.ca. And you can always subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and have each new episode automatically delivered to your device of choice. Just search for Halifax Examiner in the iTunes search engine and it'll be the first result. And we always say it, please take a moment to rate and review the show while you're there. Well, only if you're going to say great things about it. (laughs) Today, uh, we speak with Lil McPherson, who is a candidate in the upcoming mayoral election. She's also owner of the Wooden Monkey Restaurants, co-owner, and uh, a mom. So she'll be in in just a moment. But first up, let's let's do this uh, very short week in review. Okay. Uh, first question: Where are we with Dead Wrong? Do you want to do you want to touch on that? Or? Well, I'm, I'm I'm working hard on it. Uh, part five is a totally different case. You know, we've had the Glenisoon case, and then I I examined the. Uh, uh, the missing persons uh, presumed murder of Kimberly McAndrew in part four. Uh, this is yet another case. Um, yeah, I won't say what it entails just now, but uh, I'm through all the nitty gritty what happened, and now I'm kind of in the writing slash find people for comment stage. And um, that's a little bit harder than I had hoped it would be. These are people 20 years ago living on the margins of society, I've I've found a couple of them they don't want to talk. Uh, others I'm trying to convince to talk, um, and sh- I don't know. It's it, it's coming. I I have a presentation I'm giving next uh, Friday to a group of uh, lawyers. It's a private thing that they invited me to, and preparing for that, I hope to kind of be done with this section, but we'll, we'll see. Okay. Uh, that was the sound of Tim Bousquet explaining uh, how sausages are made <laughs> uh, inside journalism. Uh, moving on to the city elections uh, coming up in five months. It's, October. Uh, yeah. It's right around the corner, really. Uh, Red Rankin uh, yeah. announced uh, this week that he was not seeking re-election. Yeah. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? Well, uh, overall, this is going to be the most interesting municipal election in a long time because there are lots of seats coming open. Reg Rankin in Clayton Park, Timberley, uh, whatever that district's called, mm-hmm. they tried to change the name for it, of it. Um, and with some perennial candidates out there, Brucey e. Smith, I'm, I'm drawing a blank on the others off the top of my head. But uh, So that's going to be interesting. And then in um, Dartmouth, Gosh, there are seven or eight announced candidates already to fill the very large boots of Gloria McCluskey, mm-hmm. who has announced her retirement. And then in, in the north end of Halifax, Jennifer Watts has also said she's not running for re-election. So there are a handful of candidates, yep. good candidates, uh, coming up there as well. And in the south end, now we have a, a rematch of, of the Way Mason-Sue Utec race from last time. 
Way Mason won the last ele- the previous election by something like 600 votes, so not a whole bunch, uh, but it was a three-way race and uh, unseating the very long-serving U- Sue Utech, and now she's announced she's going to try to reclaim the seat. Um, that that would be that would be f- interesting if it kind of bounced back and forth uh, yeah. like that. Yeah, I, I make no predictions on these things, and and. Uh, you know, but uh, those are the four races I, I, in particular I'll be following uh, closely. But uh, I suspect there will be even more um, interesting things happen, happening in in other districts as well. Can we call the the South End uh, election uh, like like Rumble in the Urban Jungle, <laughs> the rematch? This time it's personal, or uh... <laughs> no, that's not <laughs> <laughs> okay. City Council this week, uh, this past Tuesday. Any anything of note? Uh, Bloomfield, they punted on. Um, uh, you know, the, as we discussed, I think last week, uh, the province backed out of the Bloomfield project. Yeah. So council, rather than just simply retender it or uh, go with the second highest bidder, which is Dexel Developments, uh, Louis Lowen's company, uh, has decided to hold off until December when the center plan is supposedly going to be adopted. What else? Am I missing something? Well, uh, Jennifer Watts had a number of uh, oh, yeah. motions that she put forward uh, regarding uh, development in, in the North End. Yeah, um, sort of prompted or prodded by the the Colonial Honda issue. She uh, most she got three of four of what she wanted, I think, and um, uh, meaning that uh, a citizen petition will be addressed by a staff report. Um, telling us why nothing can be done <laughs> and some planning issues moving forward. Her one thing uh, that was defeated was uh, the idea of the city establishing a district somewhere off the peninsula for car lots, which was just a little too prescriptive for the majority of council. But none of this stops the Colonial, colonial Honda or Steel Auto Group yep. from raising the neighborhood. And, and I understand that yesterday, Thursday, Fencing went up around the, some of the, the Fern Lane houses. Yeah, and, my and understanding is that they're 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 starting to to knock down from the inside. Yeah. So yeah. You well, what they do on the street, they, get, they go in and get all the piping and electrical yeah. stuff, that, anything of value, and take that first yeah. before they bring the bulldozers in. So yeah. it's it's just around the corner. It looks like. Yeah. Scott Ferguson ducks out. Uh, his oh, misdeeds yeah. finally caught up with him, and he's been relegated to the cultural backwaters of New York City. <laughs> let, let, let's let's <laughs> back, back up, up and yeah. explain who Scott Ferguson is. He has been the president and CEO of Trade Center Limited, which is the the crown corporation that runs the convention center and the office tower world trade and convention center and uh for the city manages the metro center the 48 dollar nsfp center <laughs> now, since renamed uh he's been there since i think 2009 um was a big proponent of the new convention center and was named the ceo and president of the new body Uh, called Halifax Convention Center that will run the Halifax Convention Center. Uh, He didn't have to apply for that job. He was just appointed to it. Uh, But uh, just now, just a a few months before the new convention center opens, which is supposed to be in January, well, now in April of, of 2017, he has taken a job elsewhere with the World Trade Centers Association, which is an international board 
uh, based, well, it used to be based in the World Trade Centers, which were destroyed in terrorist attack yeah. in, in New York, but uh, now it's in World Trade Center number one down there. So, uh, so failing up, right? I mean, Scott Ferguson is the architect behind the concert scandal. Yep. If it wasn't for him, the concert scandal would not have happened. And what that goes back to is back uh, even previous to the time that he was president of Trade Center Limited, he was working as an executive there. Mm -hmm. And uh, there was a International Hockey Association in 2008. And uh, they had, with the promoter of the hockey association events, they had a... Uh, uh, they were loaning money uh, from advanced ticket sales to the promoter to help the promoter with costs associated with it. Yeah. Uh, the Auditor General subsequently had a look at that and said, you know, that's really dangerous uh, financially because what happens if you've sold, you know, I'm just pulling numbers out of thin air here. You say you've sold a million dollars in pre-ticket sales for, for an event, and then you take that million dollars and you loan it to the promoter for to help them with costs or whatever. And then, and thinking that you'll get your money back from more ticket sales, right? Here, right? Uh, but then, for whatever reason, the event is canceled, and all those people that you already took their ticket money and you loaned it off to somebody else start demanding their money back, right? You know, Where's that you, money you, coming from? You understand yeah. the problem yeah. there, yeah? And so the Auditor General told Scott Ferguson when he was president of Trade Center Limited, said, "Don't do that. You can't do that." You got to get a security from the uh, promoter if you're going to do that. You know, you need. Yeah, otherwise, the liability is just too risky. Yeah, yeah. It's, you're robbing Peter to pay Paul. Yeah. You can't do that in yeah. municipal finance. Yeah. So fast forward to when the concerts were being, the city was getting involved in putting concerts on the on the common, and uh, Trade Center Limited was the kind of managed that whole operation, and Kid Rock, Kid Rock. Um, saw how previous concerts had kind of gone south attendance-wise. No matter what you think about Kid Rock musically, as a, as a business person, the guy knows what he's doing. And he, uh, he kept demanding a higher and higher upfront fee because he feared that these concerts weren't going to work financially. And he's like, I'm not committing to that date in Halifax when I could be, you know, in, in Portland or, sure. or anywhere know, wherever. Uh, so I'm not committing to that unless I know I can get this this fee. So he demanded a, a very high upfront fee. We don't know what it is. And the city kept saying, well, we, we need to lend them this money. So they went to, uh, or we need to come up with this. Yeah. this uh, so they went to Scott Ferguson and said, hey, we need we need you to, to take some money from advanced ticket sales. Uh, Scott Ferguson s said, and there's an email chain to this effect that uh hey um i've already been warned by the auditor general that i can't do this comma but you can <laughs> so um uh, he got the city to uh loan the promoter the money through for kid rocks upfront fee through um a metro center account it gets all very complex but it also had the additional wrinkle in that it wasn't just advanced ticket sales but money loaned from expected advanced ticket sales kid rock did what we all feared would happen at some point through this whole process he canceled said i'm not doing it this was that show was was paired with the black ip mm -hmm. show mm -hmm. and attendance was abysmal uh and there wasn't the money to repay the advanced loan 
And so the whole thing came tumbling down, and so therefore we had this gigantic scandal. And we learned that at one point the liability to the city was over $6 million. So we're lucky that we only lost 400000 Yeah. So uh, Scott Ferguson's idea that he suggests costs the city four hundred grand. He ends up getting uh, a promotion yeah. <laughs> at the end of the day, and and now has a plum job in the uh, in the snazziest real estate in uh, in Manhattan. Yeah, and it, that, it, folks, is what we call failing up. Yeah, and I, I don't quite understand how he got the job down there because, um, you know, his job here in Halifax was to manage a convention center. His job in New York is to manage an association of trade centers which do business they're two entirely different jobs so and uh finally we don't we don't have anything to report on just yet but uh the Halifax Typographical Union uh the HTU which represents uh, the striking Chronicle Herald workers are at the bargaining table today, today with Chronicle Herald management. Yeah. Uh, there is a news blackout. We don't know what's happening, but uh, you know, I, I think as, as two two journalists here, we we have our fingers crossed. Yeah, um, I mean, the 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 hope is that um, I, I think the best case scenario is that they agree to more talks. You know, um, but uh, given the track record of Mark Lever at the Chronicle Herald, the president. Chronicle Herald, who's just refused any discussion whatsoever. I'm not hopeful. No, no. But I mean, uh, it was a provincial uh, go-between that um, who set up this meeting, and and it, maybe he's just kindly agreed to that. Mm-hmm. This is still though, it's it's the first direct communication uh, that the two sides have had since the strike. Yes, launched four yes. months ago. So. Lever's attitude previous to this has been, sure, we'll agree to talks once you capitulate, once you agree to everything we've demanded. And that's how you negotiate in the business world. Yeah, I guess. All right, let's take a break here on Examiner Radio. Uh, When we come back, we'll speak with uh, Wooden Monkey co-owner and mayoral candidate in the upcoming election, Lil McPherson. You're listening to Examiner Radio. And I'm joined in the studio today with Lil McPherson. Hi, Lil. Hi, Tim. You are, let's see, we were trying to uh, figure out your introduction. You are a mayoral candidate. Yes. Uh, founder and co-owner of the Wooden Monkey Restaurant. Yes. And a Two. mother. That's right. Mother first. Okay. But the reason we have you in the studio is because you've thrown your hat, yeah. metaphorical hat, into the mayoral race. Mm-hmm. So my first question to you is, are you nuts? Yes. 
<laughs> okay. Uh, what? Are, why? Why are you doing this? Well, uh, it's funny because you said the main thing is I am a moral candidate, but I'm a mother first. And to be honest with you, that's why I'm doing this. I'm. That's why I opened the monkey. That's what's my driving ship right now. And I just want change. And I want to be a voice for the young people. Okay. What does that mean? That means that I, what I've seen in the last 10 years, in the last conferences that I've been to, especially Paris and Copenhagen and in, in Halifax and all the meetings I'm having and I've been to, it's young people, I believe, that need to be a big part of designing this city, their city. Okay. We should back up and okay. give a little context to these meetings in Paris and so yes. forth. Yes. You are uh, quite active in, in climate change politics. Yes. H- how so? Well, um, I opened the Wooden Monkey Restaurant because I felt fearful of our food security in Nova Scotia. That led me to speak out more about climate change and agriculture, the, the number one the industry in the whole wide world that will be affected by climate change, food. And then I started and, and, going to... And uh, just the, the Wooden Monkey is uh, organic, locally sourced. As much organic as possible yeah. and locally sourced as possible. Okay. We have and about 18 farms and, now on and board. And very, very good, by the way. And v- thank you, Tim. Yeah. You get a pizza. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, I mean, we can't assume that listeners know anything ab- about you, so we got to explain all these That's things. That's right. Right, right. Absolutely. So so you, so you, that brought you into the, the whole uh, being an activist on climate change That's issue. That's right. Yeah. And on your own dime, I think. You've, oh, absolutely. You, you've oh, flown no. to Paris and were part yep. of the climate change talks yep. there. Yeah, three, three uh, climate conferences I've been to. And uh, I joined the Al Gore team. Um, it was one of the first 200 Canadians trained. And I've been to three different, I call them training camps. What, two were, what were you trained in? Uh, the Inconvenient Truth, the uh, all Al Gore slides on climate change. So to give you your own presentation. That's right. And I asked them if uh, if I'm going to do this. And it's all regular people that are doing this. No, you know, you don't have need a, a climate change degree. They want moms and waitresses and uh, yeah. doctors and whatever, whoever. And I want to present on climate change and food. So Great. they said, okay, good. So you do that on a regular basis? Yeah, I've who, done who it. Who do you talk to? Anybody that will listen to me. Okay. And I've gone from universities. I've gone all through, all over Nova Scotia, uh, to Chetty Camp, to um, anybody, any, anybody. I'll speak to 10 people. I'll speak to 500 people. I've gone to a lot of schools, too. And you mentioned your kids. Who are they? Uh, Jake and Sam. Uh-huh. And they're two wonderful boys. They think I'm crazy, but they love me anyway. They live here in town? They live here in town, and they're, they're very supportive of me. Okay. You live in Coal Harbor? Or yeah. you grew up in Coal I Harbor? I grew up. I'm a, I'm a Woodlawn gal. Uh-huh. I grew up in Dartmouth and uh, been here my whole life. Mm-hmm. Okay. How does all that translate mm-hmm. into municipal politics? Yeah. Well, um, I got a little bit involved. I, I mean, I started paying attention a, a few years ago. when Really, the monkey started to really change my life, the wooden monkey. And I got involved in two projects that I just seen uh, an opportunity, like the design, the, the bike rack design contest. I don't know if you remember that. Sure. Um, those steel bars that are around uh, HRM are actually from the project that I that I uh, that was mine. And so I pitched this to HRM, saying, "Wouldn't it be a wonderful idea if we did this every year, just to encourage uh, the transportation of bikes, which I'm very big on?" And I said, "Let's let's use the talent that we do we have in this city. Let's put this contest out, saying, you know, anybody can submit a design. It has to be green driven and Nova Scotia feel. Mm-hmm. And we'll take the la- you know the ne- you know ten of these uh, uh, winners or whatever and." Uh, put them, you know, design them and, and make them and put them in front of City Hall and then we can bid on them and vote on them and, and then the person wins. They say, okay, we say they win, you know, some sort of cash money and we make 10 of them or 20 of them and put them all around HRM and put their name on it. So, and, and we do this every year. So anybody can submit. And so we started to to uh, put some really cool 
new bike racks, um, different ones every year. Just some sort of initiative to biking. Bike bike racks are great. Um, bike rack content. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, do we need a mayor for that? No. Uh, so what got me more involved, I mean, that was years ago, and I got involved in the biosolid. I had a biosolid conference right. uh, with Ellen Page because I was, uh, so I started to sort of, this is how I started to get involved in, in municipal politics and realizing I needed to get involved. I had a biosolid conference to help educate the councillors and the mayor at the time about biosolids because they were about to spread it all over our HRM. And then I started going to, co- to uh, uh, climate change events and started to see the power of municipalities on climate change. And started to hear of fantastic mayors. There's a covenant of mayors over there. And they're getting together talking about transportation issues and waste management and energy and food and everything. And I started going, wow, this is a, a great opportunity. And when I went to Paris, uh, the whole world was there. And it's a pretty amazing thing to see. And, uh, and you really see the shift coming. I call it the green tsunami of jobs. And every country signed this deal. Right. And even our climate change environmental minister said, there's a trillion dollars in business that's going to come our way across the world. And I want to be a part of that here. And we won't be a part of that because we're not ready as a city. Because of our bylaws. We're, we've got a mess. And it's not, we're not small business friendly. Okay. What, what does a, a climate change business friendly city look like? What are some of the specifics of that? Well, um, there's some wonderful innovation on transportation, on energy projects, uh, on uh, urban agriculture, and all these things that would help green and and bring more of economy to, to the downtown. So there's, and it's all young driven. And that's, that's a big thing I've seen there. I thought, wow, look at all these amazing designs coming from the youth. And they're from like, it's incredible, Tim. It's so, it's, it's almost like we need to step aside and let the young people come in and be a part of the designing of this new city. Because we, the city, that's a city that's walkable and, and bike, you know, bike friendly and, and not built for cars and built for people. I'd love to see us sometime in the future, you know, look at our city saying, wow, there's not many private cars down here anymore. Because the transportation system is so fantastic and so efficient that, uh, you know, like a Copenhagen. Uh, let me just jump in and, and tell people if they're tuning in right now. I'm speaking with Lil McPherson, who is a candidate for the n- upcoming uh, municipal mayoral election uh, in October. You obviously will be up against um, sitting mayor Mike Savage, mm-hmm. uh, who is, uh, first of all, a, a nice guy. He he, yeah. he graciously gave up his time for an event that Russell and I did uh, recently. He's also very tied in to the political, various political machines. He's a, a former liberal MP, yeah. uh, still active in the Liberal Party. His father was premier. He, he's, he's got the machine behind him. Is it realistic to expect that you could run against this guy successfully? Well, you know what? Uh, crazier things have happened. But, of course, I'm a realist, and I know that this is, he's got a huge machine around him. But it uh, doesn't mean that things can't change. And I think at some point in time, uh, you know, the story has to change. Our time has to come, Tim. I, I wonder um, how much I- your connections play out. Uh, it's just curiosity mm-hmm. on my part. Uh, you are tied into various international networks, um, you know, on the climate change front and Al Gore's group. And um, you, you mentioned Ellen Page. Uh, she's mm-hmm. a good friend of yours. Are, are, are we going to see some outside funding uh, come in? 
to your campaign? Um, I don't know. I think I'm probably going to be more grassroots funding. I'm not really asking Ellen Page to, I know she supports me and I had a big chat with her on the phone the other day and she's excited that I'm doing this. But, um, you know, I'm, I'm hoping to just get from just local people. Yeah. You know, yeah. not be Okay, I'm just curious on my part. Yep. Or yep. Could we see two gigantic connected machines wouldn't, up against each other? Wouldn't that be something? Um, well, you never know. I mean, uh, you know, I, I'm doing this because it's time. I'm doing this because climate change scares me. I know I, I'm doing this because the, the young people need hope. And, and it's got to be our time. And I want to be, uh, I want to champion them and no. have the doors open for them because it's not open for them, I don't think, right now. That's that's a, a recurrent complaint, and I and yeah. you know a, a valid complaint. I think some of the issues that um, kind of consume council time. I, I mean, there's a lot of silliness, but besides that, there are there are real, you know, just philosophical battles that uh, uh, play out in the normal political spectrum, dealing with tax policy, dealing you know all sorts of things. Yeah, uh, those issues won't go away. No. So. Where do you? I mean, sure, you bring in this new, this new or heightened concern uh, for issues re- related to climate change mm-hmm. and, and associated environmental issues. But where do you fall on sort of those traditional uh, tax things? Yeah, thank you for bringing that up because <laughs> that's the business side of me. And what really um, is even making me more upset is the fact that small businesses uh, we pay the commercial property tax that we pay is really killing the downtown. And we pay our commercial property tax, even if we're making a profit or not. It doesn't matter. We right. still have these bills. And I, it's, I found out that a commercial building, a large commercial building like uh, Scotia Square or a hotel or a, maybe a Nova Center or these big buildings, don't pay commer- they only pay commercial property tax if they're making a profit. So all these big, huge commercial buildings throughout HRM aren't paying their share of property tax, and we are. I feel like, you know, I just want the same deal that this they have. This is the, the uh, not to get too technical, but these are yeah. the two different kinds of ways of assessment, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah. But, but, they, but they're not pay- Well, why am I paying uh, commercial property tax if I'm not making a profit or not. Do you own your building? No, we don't. And yeah. our and that's that's the that's the difference. Passes the tax they pass the tax, yeah. and I don't think Mike knows that because I heard yeah. him say, "Well, I could take commercial property tax down, but um, uh, it won't it won't help the small businesses." Well, it would because we pay it. Yeah, I don't think he realizes that. You mentioned Nova Center right across the street from yeah. the Wooden Monkey. Uh, what do you feel on that? Well, I don't think it's a, a good bang for a buck. A hundred and probably seventy million dollars now, taxpayers' dollars. I don't remember everybody shouting and screaming about we need a new Nova Center. We need a new Nova Center. Please build the second new Nova Center. I think affordable housing and transportation issues and water management and you know let's get uh, many issues, but I don't think the Nova Center. And I don't but, think. But if you look out the window of the wooden monkey across the street you see a perfect reflection know, of your that's own true. building that's actually <laughs> the best part is we get to see ourselves and wave it's great but you know i mean i think you know 170 million dollars imagine doing 170 million dollar projects throughout every district and saying hey you know what here's a million dollars what are you going to do come with us with some designs let's have some fun with some money you know they're trying they built this this is another thing they built this this uh, nova center to bring the economy economy to 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 Halifax uh-huh. and meanwhile they're taking down a healthy economy around it yeah. I don't think the business ca- I've never seen the business case that really convinced me that this is a good choice we could talk for hours on that though yeah, um, besides just complaining about it the thing yeah. that uh, speaks to me about that is that we had this giant planning uh, process called HRM by design and the whole idea of it 
love it or hate it, there was a logic to it, which was that, um, you know, you set some planning perimeters and you could build to certain heights and densities. Right. So long as you met these standards, uh, we would have this cool hip downtown, yeah. uh, thriving, you know, what's the word they use? The, um, you know, one of those buzzwords, but kind of, they wrote into it this exemption for, you know, the Borg to set down in the center of it all. So in my mind or the way I view it, it all, it failed. Yeah. And we're about to embrace this new thing called the center plan. And I just fear that the same sort of built-in failure will, will express itself. Yeah, in that. I, I think we all have the same fear. I think it doesn't matter what we, this is what bothers me. It doesn't matter what the citizens say. It doesn't matter what we come and how many meetings we have, which we need. It just doesn't seem, they seem to have their own agenda. And, and that doesn't sit right with me anymore. It really doesn't. And I, I, it bothers me. I, you know, I am pro-development. It's just the right development in the right place, the right, the, the right development. I mean, you know, I think the community needs to be a part of what they need. It's like buying a house. You buy a house and someone else picks out your coach. I think it's unfair. I think we need to say, hey, look, here's a, a space that's coming available in, in, this, in this community get the community together. This is completely flipping everything upside down and saying, what do you guys need in your community? Do you need apartments? Do you need a mall? Do you need, what do you need? And then we say, great. Okay, developers, we put the, the call out for them and say, bid on this project. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't that be completely opposite? But what about that idea? <laughs> huh? <laughs> uh, uh, are you some sort Am of- Am I crazy? Are you some sort of lefty communist- Some uh, sort of kind of weirdo. Or something? I know. You, I'm not no, that's going to come up, right? Oh, totally. I know it's going to come up. And, and it's funny because people think that I'm all about, you know, food, which I, which I am. It's a big part. Urban agriculture is a big deal. But I'm also about waste management. And I'm also about mitigating water systems, which I know we're going to have a big uh, problem with. Because Nova Scotia, on the climate change issue, we're going to get 50% more precipitation. So we have to be aware of this. And that's going to be all the infrastructure underneath our city. So I, w- I will be a mayor on the garbage trucks to find out where the garbage is. I will be a mayor that's that's hands-on, running out to Harriet's Field and talking to them and find out what really is the issue going on. Mm-hmm. I will champion the Sawmill uh, River. I want the Blue Mountain uh, Wilderness. I want what's good for us. I want bike lanes everywhere. I want electric car, you know, uh, stations set up. I want this world. I, I've seen the future, and I want it for us. Okay, I've been speaking with Lil McPherson, who is a candidate in the upcoming mayoral election in October. We'll come back right after this. Okay, that's a wrap for this week's Examiner Radio, the weekly podcast and radio show produced by the Halifax Examiner. I'm Tim Bousquet. And I'm Russell Grant. As always, we'd love to know what you think. If you have comments on what you've heard or story suggestions for future episodes, please send us an email to podcast at halifaxexaminer.ca. Until next week, your phrase is failing up.